1: Know who I am, but you don't
0: know why I'm here.
1: Hey, hey! Oh, it's okay. Sting. Right. it's Sting. Okay, it's ding! This is where the big boys play, huh? Look at the adjective, play. Woo! We've been hanging and banging, brother. You're next. Watch real monsters go at it live on WCW Monday Nitro, where the big boys play every Monday night at 8 on TNT. Hello and welcome to Nitro Nights, a WCW look back podcast brought to you by SJP World Media. My name is Sai, and with me as always is the wrestling encyclopedia himself, Scottish Danny. Danny, it's been a little while since we sat down and did one of these, my friend. I've been a busy, busy boy. How are you doing, my friend? i'm doing really well thank you Sai.
0: i'm excited to hear about all your announcements on twitter and things like that so yeah i'm excited about it and we're going to be looking at a good nitro today aren't we
1: we are indeed we are indeed this was a very enjoyable episode of ww nitro first aired on the 15th of january 1996 from miami and with regards to the tv ratings this was quite a big win for nitro this received a 3.5 in regards to the television ratings whereas raw got a 2.4 so you know a decent number there the, the highest number nitro has had for many weeks to be honest and you can kind of understand why when you look at well you look at the card the show starts with our usual look at the three commentators sat chatting and uh, running through the show eric bischoff runs through the card and i mean to me this is this could be the top end of a pay-per-view
0: yeah it was certainly can there's a lot of
1: big names on this uh on this card as well yeah, definitely. I and mean, we've got uh, Luger Savage, Bischoff explains to us, and Randy Savage has also been awarded a title match on next week's Nitro. So there's something for us to look forward to there. We've got Sting versus Flair for the world title, which is, you know, a huge contest anytime it happens. And Hogan is also going to wrestle on the show as well. I mean, that's, to me, that's pay-per-view quality.
0: That really is. That does sound like a WWE pay-per-view around this time.
1: But I think what Eric Bischoff was most excited about was Hulk Hogan, wasn't he? Yeah, and this is something that we're going to, I guarantee, touch upon later in the episode. There's so much going on on this show. So much brilliant storytelling, brilliant moments, some great wrestling. But it's just Hogan getting shoved down our throats again, you know. And I mean, we'll, we'll come to that as we go through the episode. But yeah, it's not that that was a bit of a bugbear of mine but we open with quite a quite a big contest with two massive names in the world of professional wrestling in lex luger facing macho man randy savage and that's just opening the nitro that's opening the show straight off the bat danny isn't it talk about starting with
0: a bang that is uh that like you said pay-per-view quality match um yeah
1: really really big time exactly i mean this match starts with uh, i suppose each guy controlling certain areas i guess the match starts with a great deal of uh, of wrestling or fighting however you want to word it on the outside of the ring in which case lex luger is very much in, co- in in control there sending savage into the ring post the steps and so on but when they get into the ring savage literally takes control straight away and and he dominates the early portions of the match there in the ring now I think Lex here, I mean, we we laugh and joke about Luger on very on various different shows I'm a part of. I've got a bit of a soft spot for the guy. Uh, I can never really understand why. But here, I think I kind of understand myself a little bit more because he seems really fired up and actually committed to what he's doing here, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he really does. I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago about, um, well, I had, I had said that he'd phoned it in. Well, this was the total opposite of that completely.
1: Yeah, spot on, spot on. Uh, Luger eventually takes control again inside the ring, using a lot of power moves and so on. The action is relatively quick as well; it's not a slow affair at all. It's it's, it's quite an interesting up-tempo contest. Eventually, though, we get quite a unique finish for me, especially with a match involving Randy Savage. Because I mean, Savage goes for his top rope elbow, which he misses. Which you don't. I don't remember him missing very many of them. And if he did miss them. He would take a bump differently, whereas here he looks like he's legit going to hit the elbow and Luger moves out the way and he misses it. It looked very realistic. And then Savage ends up getting put into the torture rack by Luger and basically passing out for Luger to win the contest. Well, how did you find this match in general, Danny? Are there any moments you want to touch upon? And also with, with regards to the finish and Savage losing to Luger again.
0: Yeah, I was uh, quite surprised by that. I did not think a Man would put Lex over again this early. But the one thing that stuck out to me was the height that Macho Man got on that failed elbow drop. Did you see how high he got?
1: Oh, that was that was quite a leap, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it all. I mean, I say this every week, but it always bears back to why did Vince McMahon think that Mucho Man couldn't go in the ring anymore? This completely proved him wrong.
1: Yes. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, I can understand I can understand the whole new generation thing that the WWF are trying to promote now with regards to the older guys already being over in WCW. I can appreciate when I say now, I mean at this point in ninety six, obviously. I can appreciate why why McMahon is trying to promote his guys as being younger and better now that Hogan and Savage and so on have already left. But when you've still got Savage. To me, I, I, you, what well, you said yourself, Danny. The stuff he's doing, we're seeing on Nitro and and on on WW events that we're looking at. It makes a mockery of the decision for him to leave, doesn't he? For him to depart. W- why didn't Why didn't McMahon stump up the money? Why didn't McMahon allow him? I mean, at the time, uh, one of the big things that Savage was talking about when he left the WWF. This is obviously a year or so previous to what we're looking at now. Was a was a. Program against Shawn Michaels. He wanted to wrestle Shawn Michaels pretty much for a whole year before putting him over a WrestleMania event. That would have been fantastic. That would have
0: been so good to see. I mean, especially with Shawn Michaels gone over as well. Just oh, what could have been? Side. What could have been?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The next segment we get, we are told we're having some tag team action, according to Mister Bischoff. On commentary, and he explains that we have the team from the Dungeon of Doom. So straight away, instantly, I shudder slightly. And we have the team of Kevin Sullivan and Hugh Morris representing the Dungeon of Doom, and they're facing the Horseman team of Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman. But we don't quite get what was advertised, do we, Danny? It's it's quite a well. I I find this incredibly an incredibly interesting segment. I mean, I mean, talk us through kind of what happens here.
0: Yeah, there was a lot that went on in this segment. Um, one thing I did write down was all these silly costumes that were going on in the ring, and Chris Ben was just standing there in the suit. That made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, just to go back, I mean, it's, uh, what can you say about the, just characters? I mean, that, that just blew my mind, every part. I mean, we, we always talk about like, the Dungeon of Doom is silly, but their character work was on point. And I think the thing that stuck out to me was the way Arn Anderson slapped Pillman during
1: this was quite vicious, wasn't it? Oh, he, he was not messing around with that, was he? Effectively, what we've got is the the Horseman and the Dungeon of Doom. They, they've kind of got this bit of a rivalry going on. But instead of the tag match advertised, they all come out together. The whole Dungeon of Doom, including the new US champion, uh, one-man gang. And it looks odd seeing him holding that beautiful championship belt. But anyway, the whole of the dungeon of Jean comes out with the whole of the horseman. And we get Mean Gene as well. And and they kind of... Make, they, they Effectively, Arn Anderson describes it as a business meeting because he chastises Pillman for not dressing for a business meeting. There's flares in his robe because obviously he's, he's wrestling later. But Benoit and Arne are dressed very well. They're very well presented or suited and booted, sorry. Pillman is dressed in jeans and a cut-off t-shirt and looks how he normally looks. So straight away, Arne says... I told you address for a business meeting. This is not how the horsemen do things. We then basically get informed that the horsemen and the dungeon of doom are now forming some kind of allegiance because they say that there's no winners or losers. When two groups such as them battle, there's only survivors. There's no R uh, and ads. There's no financial benefit for them going to war with the dungeon of doom. So they're going to have this kind of slightly uneasy type of truce. Now, the interesting thing for me was Kevin Sullivan, who's obviously the leader or the knife piece of the dungeon of doom is saying he respects flair because flair is the greatest of all time. He respects Arne because obviously, you know, Arne doesn't get his dues. Sullivan says, and I completely agree with Kevin Sullivan there. He he then points straight at Pillman and says him, I don't respect. He's not horseman material. And it all kicks off a little bit. Arne, uh, well, Pillman then basically runs his knife back and Arne slaps him. So, I mean, for me, I find this fascinating. I find this whole segment so interesting because we've got the Dungeon of Doom and the Allegiance with the Horsemen, but it seems a little bit wobbly, a little bit unsure of themselves, and so on. Then in the Horsemen themselves, you've got the issues with Pillman and the rest of the Horsemen, and then Pillman's issues across the across that that line, I guess, with Sullivan and the Dungeon of Doom. It's a very uneasy truce, I think. But I, I also, I also believe for the first, and this is going to shock you, Danny, and whoever's listening as well. This is the first time in a long time I found The Dungeon of Doom interesting. Wow that is a word <laughs> honestly I was like it's because of the whole Pillman stuff and the the the, the uneasy truce to the horseman and but this segment I really enjoyed and it wasn't just because Arn is fantastic and Pillman plays his role brilliantly or anything like that. Sullivan plays his role perfectly as well. I find this whole this whole moment this whole segment of the show. Fascinating because there's so many moving parts, there's so many things going on, or so many things that could happen. And in your head, you're kind of almost fantasy booking where they're gonna go next, I suppose. I I just found it really interesting. How did you uh, perceive this whole situation?
0: Um similar to you, um, I found it very interesting, but I I just couldn't get over like the look of everyone just um looking a bit silly. But like you said, we've gone back to um we're going back to the awards um, show we did, Kevin Sullivan without the dungeon of doom without Ke- Kevin Sullivan is just nothing. Is it? I mean, he adds legitimacy to the entire
1: group. Mm. I mean, he's always, he's always been very good on the microphone, hasn't he? So if you take away the silly yellow dressing gown and the daft eyebrows that are painted on the guy can cut a promo, that's not, you know, it, okay. Yeah. He's a bit squeaky at times and he talks a bit of nonsense occasionally, but he can cut a promo and it works well here when he's going up against darn, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it does. And it all spells bad news for Hulk Hogan.
1: Well, yes, another obstacle for our big orange hero to overcome. We will see how he gets on with that, shall we? Now then, that obviously means we're not getting our advertised tag team contest. But WCW, being the wonderful company they are, and Eric Bischoff, being the fantastic promoter he is, decides to give us what they call a backup match. So we have the debut, well, the WCW debut of Public Enemy, and they're going to be facing the American Males tag team now danny are you familiar with public enemy at all
0: i only know a story about where they uh had a brief fight with the apa in the ring but that is literally all of that i know about them but do you know much
1: um, a bit a little they they were um they were big in ecw the whole gimmick with you know the, the whole uh they were sort of opening their arms to the world of hip-hop, I guess. And ECW kind of always had its finger on the pulse with regards to what the the younger generations were listening to music-wise and popular culture and so on. And hip-hop and that side of things was very, very big at this moment in time in 95 and whatnot. So that's why this gimmick was created, the whole, you know, the, the swing of the arms. And they'd always carry a table to the ring in ECW as well. So straight away, ECW fans loved that about them. They did have a a couple of tryout matches with the WWF over different periods of time. They were offered a contract not long before this, but they actually turned it down, stayed at ECW for a bit longer, and then came to WCW. And this was their first, obviously, their first televised match. Both members of uh, Public Enemy... Have they passed away, sadly. Uh, one had issues with sleep apnea and the other one had a heart attack, but there were also prescription drugs in people's systems and all this sort of stuff as well. So the say, I suppose a very similar story when wrestlers die young, I guess. But I, I think the issue with public enemy, especially on WCW is that you kind of see through it relatively quickly. They're quite limited with regards to move set and the biggest, the biggest sort of moments the biggest pops you're going to get from their gimmick is effectively the entrance and the table spots they do actual in-ring work they probably can't hold up in comparison to some other teams that are on the, the bigger two shows i guess wwf and wcw what did you think of the match then danny in your first sort of your first sort of time watching public enemy themselves i was really impressed by this match because um we got
0: uh, the entire. We got a taste of what Public Enemy are like. Um, I have not watched a lot of original ECW, but um, now I'm inspired to go back and see this um, gimmick when Paul Heyman is presenting it because they always said that he would make it seem just as you said, just there uh, make it seem better than it was. But um, the match, it, it kind of like I mean, it's nothing to sneeze at, to be honest. But I did, I did find. It's funny that there was an
1: ECW chant. Did you hear that, sir? Yeah, and Bischoff even mentions it himself, doesn't he? Not by name, not by company initials, but he references uh, Public Enemy as being straight out of Philly. So we know what that, you know, certain wrestling fans of that era will know what they're on about. The, the issue that Public Enemy seems to have when I did a little bit of digging on them, uh, the, the general opinion seems to be that what got them over in ECW they struggled with initially in WCW because ECW TV wasn't readily available in all areas. So a great deal of the WCW, I suppose, casu- more casual wrestling fans hadn't seen what made Public Enemy fan favorites in the other company. I guess.
0: Yeah, and um, I just found it funny that a lot of a lot of this was brawling outside, but then we come to. Um, Johnny Grimes rolling up Buff Bear for the win. I found that very (laughs) hard because of this gimmick. But um, then we get to the uh, aftermath, which I found very interesting um, about with the tables and everything like that. I'd never seen that because this is the first time we're watching these Nitros. I'd never seen that on
1: Nitro before. No, you're right. I mean, to me, you get the best and the worst of this match, this whole segment in a space of a minute or two because the finish itself to me looks like crap. The roll up looks shit. The roll up looks messy. Uh, the, the public enemy member has a handful of tights, but it is very, it looks very easy for the American males member to kick out, but he acts like he's And you just see for it straight away. It looks messy. It looked, it looked amateur hour to me. It, that looked crap. But then we get two tables set up on the outside of the ring. And Rocco Rock does effectively hits a Swanton bomb on Buff Bagwell, sending him through both of these tables, and that looked insane. Now, I suppose that I suppose people will remember the finish to something, the end of something, more so than the content in between the the, the, the first and the last bell. I, I suppose so. You're going right away from this thinking, "Why Public Enemy? That stunt of the tables was amazing." I want to see more of them. And yeah, I do too. I want to see what happens next week and, and onwards with regards to the public enemy myself. But if you ignore the final spot going through the tables, there weren't much there to get, to get me too excited about them to be fair.
0: No. And it kind of was like a, um, and I don't want to say burial because that's too harsh of a word for, for um, American males, but they'd been getting some decent wins and kind of here, they were just fed like jobbers to um, a debuting team. In my opinion, what did
1: you think? that? Um. Yeah, yeah. I can see why you, why you come to that conclusion. I mean, American males, uh, as I've spoken about on the show before, I've never been fully convinced because it seems. I mean, obviously, it's hindsight, I guess. But I look at Marcus Bagwell, and I remember Marcus Bagwell being Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Rookie of the Year for what seemed like forever, and wrestling on worldwide and so on. And then I remember Buff Bagwell, the, the, you know, the sort of attitude era. Uh, hat wearing NWO member and, and so on. This moment, this, this sort of run in between those two quite more memorable characters, where he's just a guy with a beard in a tag team. It don't it don't tick the boxes for me. I'm not convinced. So seeing them come out here in this spot to lose to the debuting team, uh, to me, I could fully understand it because you're not going to stick public enemy out there with a couple of jobbers because then the win means nothing. So put them out there with American males they at least they've beaten somebody but it's not it's not a Harlem Heat or it's not a, a Steiner's or whatever is it I mean it's somebody that you don't mind taking a defeat I guess but yeah I'm not convinced by American males I mean don't get me wrong great drop kicks and the theme tune's catchy but that aside is that enough to to warrant a, a, a main spot on a roster probably not let's just face it <laughs> Our next contest then, we are told, is Ric Flair versus Sting for the world title because Hogan is going to go on last because of course he bloody is. But before that actually happens, we have an advert for the Clash of the Champions coming up. Our first Clash of the Champions. We are look back, Danny, and there's no world title discussed. There's no Ric Flair match discussed. There's no Hogan match discussed. There's nothing to do with Sting or anything at this moment in time. We're told we should watch the Clash of Champions because Robert Parker and Sensational Sherry are gonna get bloody married. That's enough to get me to watch the pay-per-view, sir. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean it, it it looks
0: it it looks intriguing. I mean, from that advert, just based on that. Um what did you think of the
1: advert, sir? Well, it's it's something different, isn't it? It's the kind of soap opera aspect that the WWF have always done, but WCW uh, they had moments didn't they ww throughout like their whole run from like the late 80s till they went out of business they would have huge soap opera-esque moments like the wwf and then they have other spells especially early on in the run where they would completely try and avoid that and sell themselves as being a bit more of a in-ring product this here i mean i've got no i've got no wish to watch sherry and robert parker get married i'm not gonna lie but for the sake of the podcast of course we're going to maybe it'll be a good bit of comedy and entertain us mate we'll we'll, we'll find out in a week or two won't we
0: absolutely yeah can't wait
1: but we do have a world title match and we have flair and sting two of the biggest names to ever set foot into a wcw ring and this again as it always is with flair and sting i enjoyed it and again i am biased because this flair versus sting is so is the epitome of wcw to me but this this was great it was really fast paced. We had, I mean, an incredible superplex from Sting, looked amazing. We had some brilliant drop kicks from Sting. Uh, Flair was an absolute master once again, uh, making his opponent look incredible. Jimmy Hart was there and got involved kicking Sting on the outside once or twice, but he didn't do too much. He wasn't overbearing. So even Jimmy Hart, for me, was okay in this contest itself. We get all the standard flare spots, and then all the standard sting spots. Flare carrying in the corner, away from his bigger, stronger opponent, and so on. I I, again, flare versus sting. I don't think I'm ever going to come across a flare sting match that I won't enjoy. I mean, we'll find out more as the as the weeks, months, and years go by, Danny. But I love this, mate. How did you find it?
0: Yeah, it was a really good match. Um, Went nearly 15 minutes. Um, I'm glad DovSW gave us this. We've seen Flair and Sting have a lot of matches on this Nitro rewatch. But um, this one ranks at the top for me because um, it was just like they
1: just gave it that extra um, effort tonight. That's how I'd see it. Yeah, I wonder if... I've got nothing to base this on. I've not read anything about this. I've not heard any interviews or anything like that. But I just wonder if... Flair and Sting have gone out in that match. And it's for the world title. It's two of the biggest names in WCW. I suppose WCW Originals, for want of a better term, I suppose you could call them. And they're not on last. They're not the main event. Hogan in a nothing throwaway match is in the main event. Whereas the world title between two of the biggest names the company has ever had, it isn't on last. I wonder if Sting and Luger thought, sorry, Sting and Flair thought, let's really crank this out. Let's turn this up. Let's, you know, we know Hogan cannot follow this. That's how my mind would work if I was in that spot anyway. I'm not saying that that's what they did, but maybe that's a possibility.
0: No, I think there's some credence to that because um, they always talk about wrestlers uh, having their names on a board uh, just before in gorilla position, just before they go to the ring. And they probably did see Hulk Hogan at the end and thought, really? Flair's the world champion and he's he's uh, playing second fiddle to Hulk Hogan again. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I could definitely see
1: that, side. Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, don't get me wrong. If if Hogan's in a big time, I mean, Hogan Rock at WrestleMania should have gone on. WrestleMania 18, sorry, should have gone on last. Obviously, it's easy to say in hindsight. We're looking back from, from a position of, you know, being much further in the future than when the event took place. However, to me, even before that WrestleMania started, WrestleMania 18, Hogan Rock should have gone on last. Because the world title match could never have followed it and what happened happened the match itself we reviewed it recently for chain wrestling magazine i and the the wrestlemania 18 world title match was a better match than we remembered but it still couldn't live up to what hogan and the rock did so if he's in that kind of a scenario well first of all it won't be on television it'll be on pay-per-view but if he's if he's in that kind of a scenario i can understand hogan's match going on last however hogan versus meng in a nothing throwaway TV match with this silly feud that seems to never end between Hogan, Savage, and the Dungeon of Doom. I swear it's probably still going on now, potentially, somewhere. But it just seems like it's never going away. That, to me, is not more important than the world title. It just seems like such a baffling decision. But obviously, you know, Hogan is Hogan, and it is the way it is. I think maybe it has a something to do with maybe keeping the
0: crowd um in the building. They're saying, Oh, you get to see Hulk Hogan at the end if you stay.
1: Yeah, okay. I didn't think of that. That's actually a good shape. Yeah, that could be a that could be a tactic they employed. Yeah, good good shape, mate. Good shape. I didn't think of that. Yeah, interesting. I mean, back to Sting and Flair though. We have quite a clever finish here for me. I think this is really well done. I'm not a big fan of ref bumps and all that sort of stuff leading to uh, to a direct finish. But I think this is very, very clever because we have the whole, and it's a phrase I've used so many times on Nitro Nights here, we have the whole, whole odd couple dynamic of Luger and Sting where they're friends, but they're on opposite sides of the fence and nobody trusts Luger and Luger's friends don't like Sting and all this sort of stuff. But the finish here is Jimmy Hart is up on the apron trying to distract the referee and he's got the megaphone in his hand and so on. And it comes across like Hart is going to try and club Sting with the megaphone to help Flair. Luger comes out and tells Hart to stop it, even shouting, he's my friend, and so on, which was really clear and loud and into the camera, which I thought was really well done, because normally WCW production teams would miss that kind of important detail. But as they're sort of grappling with the megaphone, Sting comes in for what looks like a stinger splash, I think, into the corner. And Luger accidentally ends up putting the megaphone in the way and catches Sting in the head. Sting then gets put into the figure four. He's passed out. He gets counted out. Flair retains. We then get Hogan and Savage, right? Because of course, why bloody wouldn't we? And they're chasing Luger off when Luger is trying to check on his friend. Sting comes around. We have a conversation with Sting, Savage, Hogan and Mean Gene. And this moment here was a bit off for me because they asked Sting, "Don't you remember anything that happened?" And Sting sort of stands there, looking really, really dopey, and just going, "Huh? Eluga did this with his mouth wide open. Uh, it, was, it, it wasn't well done, but the execution may not have been very good, but the the plan and the idea, I think, was very good. I think this finish was really clever." and it just furthers along the Luger sting what's going to happen storyline how did you take this whole whole thing Danny what were your thoughts it was
0: very much like on the first episode of Nitro where um Macho Man and Hulk Hogan were trying to convince Sting that Lex Luger was a bad guy it was very very much similar to that um it just it's building more blocks to the storyline so I mean I'm excited about it but like you said sting did come off very dopey during this
1: (laughs) yeah yeah, but again, uh, the match itself was great. And again, the finish and, and what followed the finish, I think was very clever because it makes you want to tune in next week to see what happens. To me, anyway, to me.
0: I think the main thing about this segment was uh, that Macho Man and Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair and the Giant at the Clash of Champions was announced. So that was
1: pretty cool. Yeah, and that's interesting to me because it means we've got something to look forward to other than just a wedding. So that's, you know, uh, uh, to me, I'm optimistic about this card now. You know, um, Hogan and Savage, they have this kind of rambling back and forth on the microphone, though, for a little while, don't they? One of their standard who's going to get the last word in and it's nonsense, back and forth, back and forth. And the general gist is Savage has got a title shot. Hogan, who is supposed to be his friend, is saying he shouldn't have a title shot. I should have a title shot. Your arm's not right. I'm 100%. I've been on a roll. He's been suspended up until two weeks ago for crying out loud. How can he be on a roll? but whatever. And Hogan's basically throwing his toys at the pram because he hasn't got what he wants. So yeah, but there we and, go. And then
0: um, I think the biggest thing as well, apart from that was uh, much a man actually standing up for himself, which was quite shocking.
1: That was good to see, wasn't it? That was good to see. And Savage also that the line he comes out with, uh, and excuse me, if I get this wrong, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but don't back me up against the wall. Cause I'll come back at you like an explosion. That was, you know, I'm going to give you, uh, Hogan. I'm going to give you a chance to step back right now. Stuff like that, I thought was really well done by Savage.
0: Yeah, it really was. And then he said, um, "I'm not Nick Botwinkle. Bonk- now, I, I, he said that a couple months ago, didn't he?
1: Mm. Yeah, so, Nick Botwinkle. Uh, <laughs> do you know who Nick Botwinkle was? Is
0: I did. I did. Um, I didn't understand reference a couple months ago, but just going back and realizing that he was a commissioner of some sorts, wasn't That's right. he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so before that I was thinking, is he taking a shot at Nick Botwinkle for no reason? But it turns out he's actually on staff, which was um interesting.
1: Yeah, he's like the I suppose the the WCW version of Jack Tunney here. He's the on on screen figurehead. Uh Botwinkle himself was was a very, very good wrestler. Back in the, well, I suppose it would have been the early 80s, would have been a time where you could probably catch some of his stuff. Very, very dominant in the AWA, Vangana's territory there. Uh, matches a bit later in his career with a, a sort of pre-Mr. Perfect Kurt Henning. You can find those. I think, this, I think it's a super clash event on, under the AWA banner on the network. Worth checking out. Very good stuff, mate. Very good stuff. Oh, that was a good. bloody
0: match. That really yeah. is a bloody. It's just filled everywhere with blood.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Ah, so then our main event, not for the title, not with a, a big name like Sting or Flair or whatever. It's Hulk Hogan versus Meng. Obviously, Hogan's a big name, and I don't mean any slight towards Meng exactly, but I mean, surely everyone gets my point. This should not be our main event, but Hogan must pose, as the saying goes. Something I notice here, though, the crowd is very pro-Hogan this week. There's lots of Hogan t-shirts and foam hands and Hogan chants and so on, Danny.
0: Yeah, I found that um, surprising as well. It's like we always go back and say, oh, Hulk Hogan was losing his popularity.
1: But in certain markets, he really wasn't. No, that's true. I mean, this is Miami. So, you know, obviously Hogan's still popular in Miami. But I imagine if they went Greensboro, the Carolinas, we'd probably be hearing a few more boos for Hogan, I would imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe this is why the um, the ma-
1: match was was changed. Yeah, potentially. Again, I, di- I didn't, I didn't actually think of that. Yeah, maybe that's a maybe that's a reason. Good shot again, my friend. The match itself, it's not great. Let's be honest. There's not masses to write home about. Uh, Meng is in control for the majority of it. There's lots of chops, lots of nerve holds. Uh, all that sort of it's a very 1980s match with the heel wearing down hogan and then hogan trying to fight back and having his fight backs cut short and so on uh, and then we get the the spike that meng has been using the gold spike we're told and apparently he gets handed this spike by kevin sullivan hits hogan in the neck with the spike which is which he's done people in with before he's won matches Meng with this this spike hasn't he Hogan then kicks out at two, no cells, hulks up, gets the spike himself, hits Meng. Meng's out, out for the count from the same thing, and Hogan wins. What a load of bullshit.
0: I keep saying it. He's the greatest heel of all time. He's the most
1: powerful bad guy you can ever imagine. It's just, I also as well, meng, Meng's meng got the spike off Kevin Sullivan. But it's happening, as we're looking from the hard cam, it's happening on the set of ropes furthest from where we are viewing from as a television viewer. We can't see Meng get the spike. Meng doesn't show the spike, obviously he's trying to hide it for FRE. The production crew, in my opinion, should have cut to a camera showing Sullivan passing the spike over so we know what's going on. The crowd don't really see what's happening with regards to the spike getting passed over. Hogan's the only one to be more visual with the spike because he holds it in the air to say, look, I've got it, which was pretty much in front of the referee as well. Uh, So the referee's uh, had a bit of a bad moment himself. And then the spike to the neck that apparently Hogan can just shake off, dance around a little bit and point his finger to, takes Meng out for the three count. Exactly the same spike that took out previous opponents for Meng in recent weeks. But not Hogan. He will no-sell your shit, brother.
0: One week at a time, just killing off the gimmicks of uh, the heels.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not good. It's not good. And uh, we then have just Hogan and Savage posing in the ring as Bischoff ties up the episode, talks about the world title match next week, Savage and Flair, which is going to be something I'm really looking forward to again. Already looking forward to next week's Nitro because of that announcement. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the show getting wrapped up from there, Danny.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was very interesting. Um, What I liked about Hulk Hogan, I mean, he he obviously was going to win this, but at least he hooked Meng's leg, which is something that he's not really known for
1: doing. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I kind of missed that myself, to be honest, because the rest of it was such dog shit, to be fair. (laughs) That's understandable. (laughs) So then, I suppose there's not much more left for us to do other than give our, our pros and our cons, our good points and our bad points, and rate the show in general, Danny. So, our woos and our brothers.
0: Woo!
1: Brother, brother, brother,
0: brothers, brother. Woo!
1: Brother. Do you want to go first or second this week, my friend? I'll go second this week, sir. Okie doke Um, I will start with my O-brother, because I like to try and finish on a positive, my friend. Uh, My O-brother this week, as predictable as ever, is the Hulk Hogan bullshit. Hogan going on last instead of the world title match. Hogan no-selling the spike. I mean, it's a foreign weapon. It's a spike to the neck, and he no-sold it, for crying out loud. Just Hulk Hogan bullshit. That's my O-brother. Uh, you wash your man, brother this week, dude. It has
0: to be the same. It just has to be the same. I mean, you, it's he's killed off Meng's complete gimmick here. I mean, can we take Meng or the spike seriously ever again?
1: Yeah, well, I suppose we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, my woo this week, my plus point, and, and it's a bit of a vague one, really, but it's what's going to happen next. It's my my woo is the actual show itself the story writing the storylines in the show horseman dungeon of doom brian pillman luger sting what's going to happen next i've watched an episode of nitro seen advancement in all of these storylines that has kept me entertained and is already making me want to watch the next nitro so the booking the storylines the the story Advancement, I guess. Literally, my woo this week is what's going to happen next because they've got me, they've hooked me in.
0: What about you, mate? No, that's pretty cool as well. Um, I would say definitely, would Sting versus Ric Flair was the woo mm. of the week. Um, it was just, uh, just a, a great match. Um, it just, it just my only gripe with it, it should have been on the main event, but it's still a brilliant match.
1: Yeah, I agree, mate. It was very, very good, wasn't it? Match of the night for me. Very, very good stuff. So then. Hit miss or middling, Danny? Where are you going?
0: A Big time hit this week. Um, so si. I mean, it was it was a lot of action. There was a lot of good matches, and we got the debut of the Public Enemy. So yeah, it was a big time
1: hit. How about you, mate? I'm with you. All all apart from the Public Enemy stuff. Um, it's it's a big hit for me. Just just I mean, again, Sting and Flair was fantastic. The advancing the storylines and making me want to tune in next week was fantastic luger savage in the opener was very good the hogan bullshit was hogan bullshit but even that was as annoying as it was and it was my old brother it it didn't ruin the show for me so yeah it's a hit for me this week my friend brilliant brilliant excellent stuff okay then do you want to let everybody know whereabouts they can find you online as we check out for this week danny Yep, you can find me on Twitter
0: at Scottish Juggler. you can hear me on One Man's Mead podcast and you can
1: hear me here where I'll be next week with Cy talking WCW. You will indeed, my friend, you will indeed. You can find me on Twitter at SJP Words and the group on Facebook you need is SJP All The Shows and Info. And the most important thing really now is with the start of my own network, carrying all the shows I'm involved in, as well as Other shows coming in as well, whether that's wrestling-based, TV-based, all sorts coming into the network. We're we're cramming as much as we can on there for you. The easiest thing for you all to do is to search online on Twitter and so on at SJP World Media. Also now going forwards, the show here, Nitro Nights will have its own channel, I suppose, its own own stream online. So you don't have to go uh, scrolling through other shows that you may not be interested in to get to our WCW chat. But there's also the SJP World Media main feed where every show will also be on there as well. So if you like what Danny and I are doing here with Nitro Nights, check out the SJP World Media main feed where you can hear Benny Mack discussing modern day WWE products on a weekly basis. You can hear chain wrestling with myself and Mr. Mags. You can hear the wonderful people from across the pond in the States of regular, reg- regularly scheduled hostilities, also talking WWE and historical events there. There's so much on the network, I ain't got time to list it. Is that much there? So, uh, on your internet machines, your, your social media devices, search SJP World Media, and that'll give you our social medias for you to follow the network and catch up on all the shows. And likewise, on all your podcast platforms. I mean, we're having a, the standard TV issues with Apple and Google. They take a little while longer than everyone else to upload. So hopefully by the time you hear this, it will be done and dusted. But we're already on Spotify, Stitcher, um, Podcast Republic, and pretty much everywhere you can imagine. If you type in SJP World Media, the main feed comes up. You type in Nitro Nights, Nitro Nights comes up. Dive on in, try out the other shows on the network, and most importantly, let us know what you think. But you can follow this show on Facebook and Twitter, at nitro underscore knights so there you go that's all the info i have to uh, chuck out this week danny i'm looking forward to next week my friend excited we get a nitro and the day after we get a bloody clash of champions but well, i mean it's all looking good and we get a world tower match next week sir so that should be cool yeah. wonder if it'll go on last <laughs> oh brilliant stuff danny thanks again bud i've had an absolute blast i've had a great time thank you so much for joining me again take care sir And to everyone else, as always, thank you for listening.